0: Hi, my name is Patricia Kathleen, and this podcast series contains interviews I conduct with women, female-identified, and non-binary individuals regarding their professional stories and personal narrative. This podcast is designed to hold a space for all individuals to learn from their counterparts regardless of age, status, or industry. We aim to contribute to the evolving global dialogue surrounding underrepresented figures in all industries across the USA and abroad. If you're enjoying this podcast, be sure to check out our subsequent series that dive deep into specific areas such as vegan life, fasting, and roundtable topics. They can be found via our website, patriciakathleen.com, where you can also join our newsletter. You can also subscribe to all of our series on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, and YouTube. Thanks for listening. Now let's start the conversation. Hi, everyone, and welcome back. I am your host, Patricia, and today I'm sitting down with Chana Janelle Ewing. She is a founder, entrepreneur, and author. You can find out more on her website, chanaewing.com. That is C-H-A-N-A-E-W-I-N-G.com. Welcome, Chana.
1: Thank you for having me, Patricia.
0: Absolutely. I'm excited to unpack everything that you do. I know you've got a, a, like of a, a several different areas that you work within, and I also look at, forward to unpacking your book which was a very unexpected surprise when I was doing research on you. For everyone listening, a quick roadmap of today's podcast. I will read a quick bio on Chana, but before I do that, we will first look at unpacking and looking at her academic history as well as early professional career that brought her to where she is now. And then we will look at unpacking um, her different endeavors, namely uh, Chana's book, An ABC of Equality, Then we will look at her company titled Genie and the interesting pivoting point it is at now. And then we will also look towards um, another endeavor that I will have her explain and enumerate on called Little Big Girl and Company. Um, which is based out of New York City. Then we'll turn our efforts towards looking at goals that Chana has for all of her endeavors, as well as personally for the next one to three years. This is an area that has been changing for every business owner globally. We'll wrap everything up with advice that Chana may have for those of you who are looking to and get involved in some of her endeavors or perhaps emulate some of her amazing success. A quick bio on Chana before I start peppering her with questions. Chana Janelle Ewing is cultural um, entrepreneur, marketer, and author uh, working across films, books, retail, and tech. She is the author of the best-selling book, An ABC of Equality, with illustrations by Paulina Morgan, published by Quarto um, in 2019, introducing identity and social justice concepts to children. She believes that identity is a lever to pull to unlock human potential. And entrepre- entrepreneurship is an opportunity to make dents that move culture forward. She's currently pivoting Genie to maximize value for diverse cus- uh, consumers and small business owners. And I'm, I kind of dropped that a little, um, a little bait for everyone to listen in the beginning because I love companies that are in transition, in pivoting moments. I think it's so fun. And Chana, I wanna go into that, but before we get there, I'm hoping you can draw just a quick description of your academic background and early professional life that brought you to the launching of Little Big Girl and Jeannie um, and writing your book.
1: Yeah. Um, so I'm gonna start earlier in my academic uh, background because I think it, it, it sort of weaves together nicely around like my professional interests over the last, sure. I guess, um, since graduated from college and it's over the last 15 years or so. Um, But uh, very early in life, like in, I think, third or fourth grade, i learned about this word called screenwriters, like in screenwriting. Like I'd asked my mother, like, um, you know, who are the people? And I don't know what, how or what, but I was like, who are the people writing the movies? You know, like I was, for whatever reason, I realized that I was watching something that was constructed. And that fascinated me. And I wanted to figure out um, how I could become a screenwriter. So like, that was kind of like, from being a very young child in elementary school, like I just got onto that path of like, you want to create content, you know, like that was my goal. Um, And so um, that was sort of the driving force throughout like, you know, um, middle school and high school. And then eventually um, college um, where I majored um, in African-American studies and media studies at the University of Virginia Um, so and then you know while I was at UVA um, it was like really like a focus on um, developing my storytelling craft and I thought that I was going to become a director or writer director um, and that was that was going to be my professional career. Um, and so um, the other is that I knew that I wanted to live in New York, because if you want to, you know, want to work in the film and television industry, it's like either two spaces, New York or LA. And I just knew that I was a New York girl, I, you know, just like LA was not going to be for me. Um, I'm from the East Coast. I'm from Boston. I love big cities. I love being in a city so you know i was like new york is going to be where i established my career so i came to new york um, in about 2005 um and this is before and the reason why this is important because i think the today's landscape around filmmaking is a lot different but like right right then it was still more the traditional um Mm -hmm. filmmaking trajectory like where you would be a become a pa and then you know work your way up that you know PA to production supervisor to manager you know like you kind of work up the production track like professionally and then somehow figure out how to create your you know become a director writer on the side because it wasn't a real like clear professional through line for writing and directing where you could get paid for it right Um, and so it was like pre Kickstarter and pre like yeah uh, IndieGoGo and pre like like let let's do it yourself. You know, it was right when that moment where people were still figuring out how do they, you know, if you weren't independently wealthy and you didn't have huge connections, like how does a 20-something year old, you know, make our first film? And so without going to film school. So um I did a lot of that that production work in New York, realized very quickly that I did not like being a producer. Um, um and like at all. Like I just had no desire <laughs> yeah. to do production work. Um And then also, like, um, coincidentally, like, as I was doing the, like, full-time job piece, so, um, you know, would do production work over the weekends, and then, like, had a full-time job. And one of the last full-time jobs that I had was um, at McKinsey & Company, which is, you know, the largest global management consultant firm in the world me even though I went to UBA, like I was a creative at heart I didn't even know anything about McKinsey until I got there and like what a big deal it, uh, mm-hmm. it was to be there right and mm-hmm. I was an executive assistant in their media and entertainment practice so it was like just by coincidence I'm in the media and entertainment practice like I want to be in media and entertainment but I want to be in media and entertainment from the creative end but I'm in the I'm now working for folks who are thinking about the business end right and they're thinking mm. large clients like viacom and disney and you're thinking about you know media and entertainment from a global perspective and i'm serving the partners who are doing this work so i'm getting a fantastic lens on like what the industry that i want to be in but yeah. but as a <laughs> creative and so i'm like this is really like this is really interesting and another thing that was interesting to me was that like the partners Maybe a few years older than me, you know. <laughs> like they were like, you know, my yeah. eight mates, eight, you know. And I was just like, oh, okay, this is interesting. These folks are like, you know, using their brains, using their creativity in some ways because management consulting there is some creativity there, and you know, they're they're basically getting paid for to use their minds. And I thought that that was like, who I had not even didn't even know that was even a possibility as a career, you know. Um. So when the like. Recession happened in 2009. I got laid off, and I always tell people this is really interesting because we're in the middle of another, you know, recession, right? Yeah. Laid laid off, and I mean, this is is a I know it's a very pr- privileged perspective to have, but being laid off was a was game changing for me because mm-hmm. things happened as a result of me being laid off. I got a severance package. Severance package. Um, I was I had unemployment. So for the first time in my life, I had a little bit of money that I didn't necessarily have to like grind for, you know? So that meant that I had some space to think about what it is I wanna do, right? Like, and so that, so that's what I mean. So like people you, like if you grew up working class, you grew up without like, you know, someone being able to just like pay for you to explore, you know, it was like, that was my moment to actually explore. Like, what are my true interests? And so in that, in the year after being laid off, I spent it really learning about entrepreneurship, learning about consulting, because I had got like that entrepreneurial, even though I was in a company, you know, the way that that company is shaped, it's like, you know, there's these small teams that are going out and supporting other businesses. So I was like, I was, I got that, I was bit by that. Like I got that bug. It was like, okay, like, what is it that I know that I could serve other people with. And what I know really well is storytelling. And so I, that's where I decided to develop Little Big Girl. And it was like, our first initial piece was, we were going to use um, the hero's journey, like it's really simple. We were going to utilize the hero's journey to help small businesses tell their stories online. And like, that was it. Like, you know, we were this was like 2009, 2010. Everyone's feeling like I need to be on social media. How do I be on yeah. social media? It's like, yeah. all right, well, you can create a narrative around your business and connect with your consumers using the hero's journey as a um, as a kind of um, a form. And Okay. So-
0: Let me grab you really quickly right there just to get some logistics out of the way for yeah. all of our nerdy listeners. So 2009, 2010, Little Big Girl launches. Were you the sole founder? Did you take any funding or did you bootstrap with that severance package? And um, who were some of your first clients?
1: Yes. So um, I took no funding. It was a services company. Um, I think, you know, I don't think there's not a lot of like um, funding resources for service-based company right um, but I yeah I bootstrapped with the money that I that I had from uh, my severance and, and you know pulled a little bit out of my 401k I figured hey I was like I don't know um l- late 20s at the time so I was like oh like I'll make up for this at some point you know <laughs> like you know like I was like you know just yeah. thinking about like how I can get going you know yeah um and I um your first my client first client, um, was the was this entrepreneurial program that i was in so i was in this program called ladies who launch mm-hmm. and um i don't know if you're familiar with them but they are um i don't know if they're as active anymore but essentially they were at that time they were this like sort of global organization that taught uh, uh, women how to become entrepreneurs um and they had like this membership community online and so it, like seeing another opportunity i was like well you all have this great community. The social media doesn't seem to be as tight between the online community, the offline events and um, the social media handles. Like, you know, would you, would you be open to me, you know, coming, you guys, me coming on board as like your uh, digital marketing strategist, you know, you guys would be my first client. Mm-hmm. I'll give you a huge discount. In order to like become on become on board as my first client, and they said yes, they went for it. And I mean, the insight there is that like, which I I I feel like I don't take a lot of credit for it now, but like, I maybe I kind of knew it organically. Um, but that was a really good move because starting with a organization that has a bunch of other entrepreneurs that they serve meant that that was an embedded customer pipeline, right? So if I did a good job with the organization, obviously they would recommend me to the women entrepreneurs that um, that are attending their programs. And that's actually what happened. A lot of my first clients were women that were coming out of that program.
0: It's genius. I mean, and it's it's built in, it's baked in right there, you know, and to be able to turn on it and pitch them and then have that index of clients that are all already coming through, you know. And I'm not intimately, I have heard about ladies who launch from previous times. So I'm not sure what the current statute looks like, but it was almost the earliest forms of like the the current day. Um, I want to say like accelerators and, mm-hmm. and incubator programs, you know, where they kind of draw you through these, these these techniques. But it was more of an earlier format, as I understand it from that. But your take on it and your approach to just repitching it is just, it's so um, astronomically powerful. And also to catch people in their infancy, there's something about people that grab companies while they're young Um, It's a dynamic space. There's usually more room for creativity because they haven't locked into certain things. And also seeing that growth, those, you know, those lifetime colleagues and customers and things of that nature. It's, it's one of the most rare forms, you know, to kind of bump into a company. And I love it. I love that you started there. You didn't um, tell us why yet. I'm going to ask you little big girl, uh, the the name, where'd that come from? Yeah. Um, So...
1: I mean, I guess like, um, I have this picture, I don't know if you got it, if you had a chance to look at the logo, but that picture is like, a the logo is like a picture of like the top of my head and like a fro, but it's my, a baby picture um, mm-hmm. of me, actually that's illustrated, and the picture is like, it, it was taken on my kindergarten graduation day, and I'm like sitting there with my hands on my hip, <laughs> and for whatever reason, it just made me, whenever I look at that picture, It makes me feel strong and like, Mm. it makes me feel like, Hey, you already know what you're doing. Cause when you're an entrepreneur, you're always second guessing yourself. And so, you know, having the like North star of my business baked into the title, like, like, you know, this, I'm this little person, like this little business, this little person, you know, um, but I'm big. And I'm a girl. And like, this is, it it was like, it it enabled me to like, feel, to feel playful about the work. And to also, like, um, feel like I could do it, you know, so it was really just like a, it it was a, it was a nod to my own inner child and like, and, and giving her permission to do the work that I was doing.
0: That's awesome. And it's a constant reminder. You know, you have the logo. I do like it. I like your art, um, which is rare because I've been around way too long. And um, I do like it. I like the art. I like the name. It verges. It's like it, it's it's right on that line of like, I'm going to love it or hate it. And I love mm-hmm. it. So, it's, you know, it's that, like that dividing line, which is brave right, right. off the bat, which right. I think. Right. Um, and I'm wondering. So the growth. Can you speak just kind of generally to the bro- the growth of um, Little Big Girl from its soft launch from 2009 2010 until now, where we're at in 2020 pre COVID 19 pandemic. Let's take that chunk.
1: Yeah. So it's always been a fairly small business. I mean, I think we've never had over like five or six clients at a time. Um, you know what we've done is like we we do projects. So for instance like one of our recent projects was like around afropunk when they launched their podcast. um so we will do a rollout like that or we'll be with a film from its like um a uh, festival premiere to its even oscar campaign so that could be like an 18 month window that I'm on a project and uh, we've also had scenarios like where where um, work with like a nonprofit like the Andrew Goodman foundation. We worked with them like, for a number of years around how they're messaging to millennials and building, um, internal capacity and programs within that organization that, um, directly targeted millennial audiences. So it really, um, because of the, the nature of the work, you know, we, we can be sustained by like several kind of ongoing contracts. Um, And then you know some spurts like some sprints with projects that have a defined beginning and end Um, Mm -hmm. i would say i mean people use this word pejoratively but i think you know it's it's been like a lifestyle business if you will like it hasn't been like on a huge growth trajectory or anything like that but it's enabled me to sustain my my life and And it's enabled us to like, you know, have folks, contractors and other folks who've worked with us. So
0: that's nice. And yeah, it sounds like you can, you can grow and shrink to clients needs with like you were mentioning contractors and things of that nature. What would you say the bulk of a large part of what you do for the majority of your clients is with the branding and the marketing? It's such a massive field. Are you handling social media campaigns? Are you developing imagery? Like what areas do you find yourself working most in?
1: Sure. So the bulk of our work is actually around film marketing, and what we're doing there, um, we're doing websites, we're doing um, social media campaigns, we're doing social media management. We're also doing influencer marketing. Um, we're just thinking about. We'll we'll typically will work in collaboration with like an impact producer who is thinking about how to get that film out to different partners and and we're thinking about so while they're thinking about how to like how that um film is engaging partners and communities and building community we're thinking about how the how the film is engaging general audiences so like what's the messaging for a general audience um how do we target them on social what sort of events should we do who are the different influencers that we should bring to the table you know what might we do with your partners that could be Um, A little bit more like um, audience-specific and like talking about the film itself. Um, So just really shaping the film for a consumer audience, helping to shape the film for a consumer audience in partnership with impact producers and uh, and press.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of moving parts there. It's got to be really customizable, right? Depends Mm -hmm. on the project as to which area you push harder on.
1: That's interesting.
0: I want to pivot right here since we're talking about, you know, um, film and, and, and cultural changes really quickly and talk about your book, which, um, at first, at first blush, when I went to, um, buy it and look at it, I thought it was going to be an adult book. I just didn't have any reference or anything else. Um, because the name, um, for me, knowing that you were an entrepreneur and this founder, I I had assumed it was almost going to be this how-to woman's guide or I don't know, something like that. And so I was shocked to find a children's um, board book. And, um, And I love it because I think it's so necessary and it's just beginning what I see to be a new wave of children's books coming out. And um, I don't think we can get enough to them. And because it's not that long, I'm gonna ask you to kind of walk us through it, but it's called an ABC of equality. And um, it, it starts out with very, it's very, very friendly, appropriate across all, even the youngest children's ages. And it goes through the ABCs and it starts to assign a value to each letter, a word value, and then it kind of enumerates on that. And it brings it into this societal like environment within a paragraph and then it goes to the next letter is that a correct like
1: observation I love your description i'm actually going to <laughs> pull that description i love that i like i love the idea but it's like i've never heard, heard anyone describe it quite that way that it assigns a value to each word and then enumerates and then like uh, and then draws to society like i think that's like really a perfect description
0: Well, and it's genius for me. That's exactly how young brains, um, audience members who have been listening to me for a couple of years now know I have four children. And um, I knew nothing about um, educating children. uh, But um, when I started having them, there were no classes taken. But what you learn very quickly is that you have to place things in a value in an environment you can't just hold something up and say orange and drop it because the next thing you pick up, they'll be like orange. There's no way you know you need to kind of describe what you're saying, and that's what this does. It takes very philosophical um, concepts about you know important terms that are difficult, citizenship or something like that. You know where you can kind of like those are deep terms and empathy or those kinds of words, and you have to put them in an environment. And really relate them back in. And that's exactly what the book does. It's everything the, the exact pedagogical lens, if you will, about teaching p- um children about um, global citizenship and responsibility and empathy and compassion and um, diversity and all of these transparency and all of these things that we look at, and the idea of describing those to a six year old brain. And it really does that beautifully. I think it's so remarkable. And I'm wondering what was the impetus for that for you? What was the philosophical yeah, push? I,
1: i'm I'm just, I'm truly honored. I just have to say, I'm truly honored and moved that you really, really got it. I like. I'm just like honestly. I'm like taking a moment because it's like okay. you really, really got it. And so thank you so much for, for spending time with it. Um. So um. So the first thing I like to tell people is that it actually was an opportunity that came to me. So uh, I'm a. I'm not a religious person, but I am. I have just To give you a sense of like how woo woo I can be, I have a Monday uh sessions that I do right now with a group of friends that it's that's called um, Let's Get Metaphysical. <laughs> yeah. So, nice. like, yeah, kind of like how woo woo I can be, meaning that like there, there's work that you do, but there's also you need to leave space for the universe, Le- leave space for just magic to happen, right? Mm. And the this book was literally one of those open spaces that just dropped in my lap i literally looked in my on my in my inbox one day in 2018 and there was a a note from a publisher that said hey are you interested in writing a children's book and i was like (laughs) like okay i had to look them up to see if this was real i actually thought it was like one of these like spam emails and i looked them up they were real prolific publisher of children's content so then it became like well why me you know because you don't you, it you have to the whole like insecurity around like, well, I didn't I didn't position myself as an author, but actually I've been calling myself a storyteller my entire life. Yeah. You know, like so it 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 makes sense, but I I was it because I didn't actually actively pursue it, it felt um like can I step into this moment? Can I do this? Um and so they had the idea. They were like, you know, we want to do children's book about equality and we want to know if you would like this is something that you'd be interested in and so we had some conversations and it was like yes i will do this like let's do it and so in terms of the construction of the book it is for children but like if you can i think that it's my idea when writing it was that it it was going to be a a book that a parents were going to read to Mm -hmm. their children so for me i'm i was always thinking about that first audience which is the parent Mm -hmm. you know i'm i was thinking about not necessarily it was like how does a parent think about how to talk about these terms in the simplest ways possible and so that is the way i approach the book and i think about it as a bit of like cultural um instigation cultural intervention Mm -hmm. you know cultural um, uh, uh, inspiration, you know, like, I, I want parents to look at the book and be like, wow, I can do this. I can think about how I am thinking about belief in race and xenophobia. Like, you know, it's a lot of the words are words that you may not even like, before writing the book, I might have known all these terms just intuitively because as an adult, but I didn't necessarily, if you had asked me before, like how to quickly describe xenophobia, like I would have, you know, like I would have kind of told you from this large, you know, big conversational piece, but I wouldn't have been able to drill down. And so it's like, how do you drill down on the term and on the conversation and then be in conversation with yourself, but also with your children around these ideas? It was, and that's
0: delivered, you know, it's, it's awesome because that's how I received it. Um, and when I, when I read it to my child, that was exactly it. And it was, it's, it's such a sigh of relief because even when you do have those conversations, you know, about, um, my seven-year-old said, what's the stock market? And I was like, um, how am I breaking this down? Like there's so many terms and systems we live under in this society and even the, and the more theoretical, you know, um, what is, what is honesty? What is valiant? Like those types of things, you go to define them and it's very interpersonal and it changes throughout life. And you end up having this dialogue with their eyes spinning. And so it's just so nice to see someone that's had that conversation and written down this very succinct narrative about some of those terms, especially the negative ones, you know, um, and, and having like a very honest rhetoric without getting too brutal. It's, it's tricky. It just is, you know, I, I find much more comfort in those subject matters in, in higher academia where you can kind of just let it go, you know, and just throw everything at the wall. But with young minds, that is the true annexation, you know, between yep. those concepts and that term and honesty and gentility being provided, even in the explanation. So I love mm-hmm. it. Um, I want to pivot now and look at Jeannie. And I know it's in a, um, a, 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 a transitional moment for you. And I love that. And so I want you to first describe for everyone what Genie is, the company, and when it was launched, and what it originally did.
1: Yeah. So uh, just another word about the book that I like to No, just because earlier you were like, the expectation as an entrepreneur is that you do like a business book, right? Mm-hmm. But I've now started to see this book as a foundational text for, ent- for entering my world, you know? And that like, you know, the way I'm... The way i've set up my life the the way i've set up the work that i do and my interests are all around this idea as of like being of cultural ads of um cultural instigation um and of like difference being something that should be embraced um and 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 as a point of connection versus as a point of divide right and so i think that book does a good job of kind of laying out the way in which i see like that lens that like identity and difference are literally things that you as a human being you should lean into and um utilize for your own personal growth you know um and utilize for your own personal curiosity you know and as a means of connecting with others it's not something that you know, we should run away from. It's like we should totally um, embrace expanding our lens, our vocabulary around how we describe ourselves, our vocabulary around how we engage each other. You know, we should totally embrace that there's enough space for all of us, you know, and that if um, I, we create equitable, um, you know, equal and equitable spaces, that doesn't mean that I lose but that there's actually a lot of space, you know? And yeah. so that's, you know, I, I wanted to kind of like clarify that a bit. Because that's it
0: also awesome. Does... And I love that. Like that take, I wish that was mine. You're like, here's my intro. It's not an entrepreneurial guide. It's a children's book. It's so genius. <laughs> and it ties beautifully in with your logo. Like it's all a theme about you. This mm-hmm. return to identifying as, you know, this strong young child and things like that. I love all of that, the wisdom within children, you've got this, this environment going, that's very um, copacetic to itself, you know, I really mm-hmm. do love that, um, I'm going to, I'm going to say it a ton and a ton, I can't wait yeah. to refer people to it, it's going to be yeah. a great tie-in for your book,
1: yeah,
0: um, so, so a, unpacking genie, yes, genie, yeah.
1: so a word that you've used a lot, with has been genius, right, so genie is like about the, it started off with the idea of the genius and um genies the like magic of black women that was like you know um the play on that right and the idea is that like you know how do we the original hypothesis was like there are all these like um small businesses that exist like you know think about the Etsy business or think about like the e-commerce business Mm -hmm. um they don't really have that many platforms for sharing their products like what would be how could we do that um i was really interested in like that piece and then the other piece around um uh celebrating uh the stories of black women i before genie i started doing this thing called O brunch for fun um and we started that like literally that was i think yeah that was 2009 and it was really when michelle obama became like started, around her inauguration, when she got into the White House, right? Yeah. I was so excited about her and her— this new sort of model that was on the public stage, you know, of what, what a Black woman could be, like a new— felt feel like she was starting a new mythology, really. And so um, I developed this brunch series, we just kind of celebrating her, but also we would have different women, like, you know, little Oprahs, little Michelles, you know, who would curate the brunches and tell their stories share their leadership techniques and we did that in new york new jersey um in pennsylvania um did it for a number of years about five or six years and it was just for fun like literally was not even we would never make any money off of it what you would pay to whatever you paid to attend a brunch was what would cover our expenses so we got wow. to about like 2014 so about i think like five or six years in and i was like you know could this be something like is there clearly you're interested in this, you know, women's entrepreneurship piece, like ladies who launch. And there's just this, this other narrative that you see strand mm. in your life. Could this be a thing? And I looked at the subscription box model and I was like, well, what if we package that brunch? Like we gave you the, the inspiration, the product recommendations, the storytelling, and we could ship it to you, you know? And so that's, that's the, that was the, genesis behind genie box um, and so it was a subscription box company that we launched in 2016 um, the idea was that we'd have little oprah's little michelle's and their favorite things we'd have a different woman curate the box featuring her favorite products so we'd do two things one you know increase the visibility of these influential women and their stories and then they, two uh increase the sales capacity of small businesses by diverse um by diverse founders. Um and so we did that until like our last box shipped just last year. So just about three years. Um not uninterrupted though, mind you, like there was plenty of challenges in that business. You know, didn't ship monthly like I would have loved to. Um, It was again another self-funded endeavor. I was using the money from Little Big Girl to support Genie Box. Yeah. Um, And you know, we, we didn't really go out for funding until last year, because, you know, one of the things that we realized early is that, hey, people would consider this to be a niche audience. So they're not going to necessarily want to back this company based on the fact that we're like dealing with a a niche audience. And so we did get a little bit of angel funding last year um, through uh, Pipeline Angels, um, who is a, you know, I can't recommend them enough um, for anyone who is thinking about Doing, um, you know, doing an official like raise for their for their startup. Pipeline Angels is a group of women, uh, women and non-binary folks who invest in women and non-binary folks. Um, and they invest in scalable companies, but they also invest in like, say, like a, you know, food and beverage or fashion business. Like it doesn't have to always be like a high-growth tech company. Um, so people should look into Pipeline Angels, but all that to say is, you know, we got to the end of last year and we thought about, okay, you know, where where do we go from here? Um, so this is even before COVID. You know, we're like, you no, know, we've been doing this for a little bit. um Our margins have been really small. You know, um, there are a few opportunities here that we see in the business model. One was we noticed um, this be- became an advertising channel. For larger companies who were interested in doing multicultural um, marketing, you know, they wanted to yeah. do multicultural advertising. We noticed that. Um, we also noticed that we were, you know, providing a discovery vehicle for consumers who wanted to shop their values, who wanted to shop from women and diverse folks, who wanted to be able to like have an easy way of doing that. So we knew that we were kind of serving those two needs in the marketplace and so just kind of like could there be a bigger business model you Mm -hmm. know such that our margins our margins would be healthier and also um there would you know we could develop a high growth company and so we've been on that that pivot journey for about six months now and we are um near ready to release our sort of mvp version of the new model. Um, but I can't say exactly what that will look like, but I think you could tell from the two problems that we're trying to solve, which is, you know, um, creating an opportunity for diverse business owners to reach consumers, Mm -hmm. um, and also create an opportunity for larger brands to connect with multicultural consumers. So, you know. you know we're building a marketplace around those two ideas and you'll see more in the coming months
0: yeah that's a good Mm -hmm. teaser that's exciting anyway i like that um and anyone who's who's wanting to follow that like we should definitely do you have a favorite social media platform that people who are
1: yeah twitter or instagram i've been a little quiet on both but like twitter or instagram what are your handles oh so at chana ewing uh, on both so at c-h-a-n-a-e-w-i-n-g
0: Cool. Yeah, that's awesome. I can't wait for a good launch, especially right now because nobody's launching when they said they would. So anyone who's going to, I'm like, no problem. I'll wait. Um, I'm wondering, We're. I'm going to pivot now and kind of wrap everything up. I know that everyone's dialogue has changed um, and some for better and some for worse and some just because, you know, but this time for reflection that you had at your first, you know, um, layoff um, in 2009, at people have kind of globally experienced, or that's what the people I've spoken to, um, the women, female-identified, non-binary individuals over the past three months have kind of said, I've taken the time with this forced isolation to really have a dialogue with myself about my company, about my happiness level, things that they just weren't taking the space and holding the platform to do. Um, and so I find this next question to be fascinating because it changed for a lot of people. It changed back. It, it never stayed the same. And so I'm wondering... Can you tell us anything about your goals for the next one to three years, given your endeavors, and um, what change has taken place over the past couple of months with those goals?
1: Yeah. um, So I think the biggest change that's taken place for me during this pandemic has really been around centering myself, first and foremost, in my life in a way that I have not done ever. Like, literally. Like, I am, for the first time in my life, cooking. (laughs) <laughs> like, let's yeah. just start there. Like, you know, like I just think it's the like biggest I'm I, I'm just so you know, I'm so excited by the fact that I'm finally cooking. Like yeah. this is like so um it's just a major step in the right direction around like how I wanna and I'm not doing it every day, like you know, there's some t- like maybe once or twice a week or if I have a really bad week, I might order out. Um, but I i have developed a new habit around um cooking and sh- i want to shout out hello fresh they're not giving me any money but like hello fresh has been fantastic yeah. because they they send you meals um and then you know they send you all the ingredients and then you cook the food right and they give you recipes it's a really great way for novice cookers um but i guess so I, the reason why i say that is because my my large goal is now to operate concentrically like I am like I want to operate from the inside of me outwardly and before I think my entire career I've been and I think this happens to most people most entrepreneurs most like every all of us I was just so like caught up in like what people think about me how am I coming off to the general public how am I coming off to my my friends to um Clients to investors, like so invested in you know, and what that might mean for my business, right? And now I'm like, it, it 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 doesn't matter. It it starts with me, right? And I truly believe that, and I truly have seen that in a way that I haven't seen before. Um, so my biggest goal is to hold that, hold on to um, keeping myself centered and central in my own life, and listening to my own wisdom and my own advice around how to take care of myself. So that's my first and foremost goal. Second to that is continuing to build and grow the communities that I've um, nurtured before the pandemic, but definitely within this space. So one 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 such example is that, like, i created a, a peer group of Uh, entrepreneurs and we meet every Saturday around um, developing our business so such that we continue to survive and also thrive post pandemic and so I think that you know creating community creating team uh, for my businesses um, are are like my kind of my my like immediate goals you know like um, uh, and then in terms of like growth you know, I would love to see Genie scale to like, you know, hundreds of thousands of customers serving, yeah. um, you know, tons of like entrepreneurs. So, but really it's, it's about like this operating concentrically. It's more of like a value-based goal. I love um, that. Yeah. see What that materializes too.
0: That's so great. It's such a visual for me for some reason as well. I picture all of those, um, the maps that you start off with a problem or meditation maps and kind of go outward, you know, and at the end you, you figured yourself out or even the other way, but you're always trying to reach the center of oneself um, in that work. It's, it's a great, it's a great goal. I love it. And it's, it's so, um, so different from those that I've heard recently. Um, And I'm going to wrap everything up today with a a question about advice that I post to um, every Person I speak with, and I'm curious if a young woman or female-identified or non-binary individual, essentially anyone other than a white man, walked up to you tomorrow and said, um, "Listen, I, you know, I've had this history. I had this dream. I wanted to get into writing. I was going to do film work. Um, I came to New York." And I wanted to get all of these things done. I'm keeping my mind open. I'm looking at it from every different angle. I'm doing different things. I think I'm going to start my first company right now. What are the top three pieces of advice you would give that individual knowing what you know now?
1: Hmm. So the concrete piece of it is uh, get a bookkeeper and accountant (laughs) early on. uh, so, so again, the piece around that is basically, um, get people on your team that you don't, that, that are not your skill sets. So even if you can't necessarily hire, you know, you can't like necessarily, um, bring on folks as employees, figure out a way to get folks around you that are not your core skill set. So if that's like, you know, trying to find a friend's mother who's also a bookkeeper. Or it's like, you know, trying to find an intern who can, who's an MBA, who's a, you know, CFA, you know, working their way to be a CFA. Like, I, I don't know, like, find a way to surround yourself with people who, who have disciplines that are not your own. So that would be one, um, if you're about to start a business. Um, and like, in, in disciplines that are not your own, that really impact your business could be like finance, legal, you know. Um, yeah like any of those sort of domains that may not be your core competencies. Um, So that's one. Um, Two is follow your, um, your inspirations, you know, like really follow them. I love um, uh, Toby, who is the founder of um, Shopify story. He's like, you know, he was into snowboarding and gaming, you know, the gaming taught him how to become a coder. And then the snowboarding was like oh i want to build a snowboard shop so in those two things he then built he like his shop his e-commerce platform that he built for his own shop was so good that it was like okay well maybe we can build this for you know millions of shops you know and that became shopify so yeah. it's like had he not like if he had not followed his interests, he wouldn't be Amazon's competitor today. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like, so follow your interests, even if they don't seem like they um make a lot of sense, or they don't necessarily or they're not traditional, just follow your interests. Um, and the third thing is build a community. Stay connected to community, you know, at all levels. So, you know, you want you want advisors, so people who are a few um had a few years ahead of you or have some who've done what it is that you're that you're doing or think that you might want to do. Um you want peers, you know, mm-hmm. so you want people who are right in the trenches with you. Um you want friends who don't have anything to do with what you're doing maybe. And you want mentees. So you want like you want a real 360 degree community around you as you build out your vision.
0: Yeah, I love those. It's true. And you kind of cover every aspect that I think is really important when you are starting out. So I've got number one, um, get a good bookkeeper and accountant, meaning um, get people on your team that have skill sets other than your own that you're going to need. Number two, follow your inspiration. And number three, build and stay connected to your community because those are the people that you're gonna be functioning in. I love that, and I think it's so true. And it the, the approaches everything um, from all angles. And Chana, we are out of time today, but I wanna say thank you so much. I really appreciate you taking the time. I know that everybody's firing on all cylinders right now, and I really appreciate um, your candor and your time and all of your rhetoric and story today.
1: This has been a, a complete pleasure, Patricia. I really appreciate your thoughtful questions and the time you spent with me today.
0: Absolutely. It was my pleasure. And for everyone listening, we've been speaking with Chana Janelle Ewing. You can find out more about her and all of her endeavors on her website, Chana Ewing, that is C-H-A-N-A-E-W-I-N-G.com. Thank you for giving us your time today. Thank you for listening. And uh, please stay safe, stay well. And until we speak again next time, remember to always bet on yourself luncher